so one thing I was going to ask you though is so when you say gifts, do you you mean um, gifts that just expanded our view of life itself, or um, or do you are you saying that things that have prepared us as a as a couple or and just individually? I, I think for me, um, I, I think of this metaphor, this idea um, of that when we are conceived that we are born with these um, it's written on our heart right that uh, meta you know metaphorically written on our heart what our what our purpose is what our what our gifts who you are right like um, I, I think it was that it, it was it was within me at that point in my in my Makeup. I, I, I think of uh, at that point of conception, that was where God placed within me not only him or her within me, but then the beginning of knowing that already. And then the idea that for me, it was going to be a part of mine was being a communicator. Part of mine was being a teacher. Part of part of it was being a counselor, and that's evolved over time. But it was to help people who were struggling. And, and that's why I was born with a little bit higher limbic system where I was able to, uh, my intuitive ability was a little bit higher. My, my empathy was then naturally a little bit higher. Those weren't things that I created. I've, I've practiced those over time. So I'm more in tune. It's kind of like meditation or, or working out. But um, I think those were those original gifts. Um, I think of um, I watch my son and, and my my wife and and her father. They can put together this intricate, detailed type stuff, and um, it's amazing. That stuff drives me absolutely crazy. I mean, I, I will I will. It's adds stress to me to do those types of things. Now, some of it may I could become better at it if I expose myself more to it, but I don't know if it's ever. N- I'm going to get energy from that. But when I work with, talk to people, work from people, I can do that all day and I get energy from it. I'm never, I, you know, counseling for 12 hours a day or whatever. <clears throat> I don't, I don't feel exhausted when I go home. Yeah. If I had to do math for 12 hours a day or if I had to do something like that, that would exhaust me. Um, yeah. And so that's what I guess what I mean by um, gift being different than talents, different than skills. And then also different than wounds. Um, wounds are things that happen to us in the story we tell ourselves. Gifts are something that you can't lose. You can maybe not develop them. You can maybe not believe in them. Um, you might ignore them, but they're still going to be there. Yeah. For me, um, you know, I can think of a few. So. You know, I was always traveling or training while we traveled. Yeah. Uh, when I when we went to Colorado, I spent time in the in a gym where um, it's his it's the head coach of one of the UFC world bantamweight world champion. Okay. It's his coach's gym, and I went in there for uh, a couple weeks and trained with them. And I and I just I realized there that. They were complicating it to me. They were making it come off as if it was really hard to understand when I didn't really think it was. 
Um, and then going into Arizona, I I was training with uh, Henry Cejudo, who's the current um, flyweight world champion for the UFC. Uh, so I, I got to train in some good, good gyms. And while I was there, I realized that the way in which I understand how things work from a uh, athletic side and how to teach and 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 um, share my my understanding with other people, I knew that I'm different. Like I've seen so many high level coaches, and they're not that good. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly because they're in their own way of trying to do it their way instead of learning from their way and kind of finding better so i mean my travels definitely exposed to the idea that i i am i I am a coach i'm a teacher i can explain things that that other people have trouble doing right so interesting okay so now it's coming full circle so when when he asked like the most beautiful thing that yeah i was thinking like visually like oh when we first saw the mountains Mm -hmm. but like you perceived it as like well that's why i asked the question but yeah I think that was something that aligned me with purpose. Is that what you were talking about? I was talking about both, actually. Yeah. And but, but it's interesting because, uh, as you both have mentioned, you know, this idea of searching, and I think um, it's it's you know that's one of the questions that people we we talk about all the time is where do I what is my purpose where do I fit in who 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 am I not just what do I do but who am I and and some people are teachers right because that's what they do and some people are teachers because that's who they are and and there's a there's a difference um where uh, both can be um can t- you know c- uh, can be tiring but the one who is a teacher or is a coach they're not going to be exhausted mm-hmm. from doing it right mm-hmm. they may be exhausted from the politics they may be exhausted you know you know the red tape and all that stuff but not from actually yeah, you know, and then and to realize that that is beautiful. I yeah. mean, and uh, especially as when we're searching, um, and then to go, oh, okay, it is. It's like it's like it's like seeing. Yes, this is okay. This is my path. Yeah. So so go over here. Well, say? I was just gonna say that's that's why I love the hero's journey yeah. because you can't find that out unless you go into the forest yeah mm. you you can't sit in a room and and think about it yeah. you have to go and, and and interact and and see where where your best self comes out as needed yeah. and uh yeah so well i think that's the difference at least the language that i've been using to separate it is that uh, the difference between it being an intellectual exercise and this other form of intelligence um, and and going into the woods and wrestling with those dragons, wrestling with your doubt, wrestling with those fears, um, wrestling with those wounds and the stories we tell ourselves, what comes out of that sometimes are going to be realizations of who we are. Um, sometimes there may be realizations of what we're not, mm-hmm. and 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 that's and that is just as beautiful because as you said earlier. Well, now that I know I'm not this, it's like it's like when I work with someone who is is a heroin addict or an alcoholic, and then they realize now they're a non drug user, now they're a non drinker, 
and now they don't have to have that label anymore and and the whole world is different and the relationships are different and how they go about in the world is different um but there is a part of having to surrender of that old self or you fully can't go into a new self yeah so yeah actually what you just said is so perfectly like in a nutshell that's i think the beauty i experienced leaving because it was the ultimate surrender like you said of everything i thought that i was including a daughter including an aunt including a sister including an artist because i was starting to really attach myself to the identity of being an artist because i always wanted to as the ego wants to attach itself to some type of identity I was no longer a bartender. I was no longer even like what I considered to be like this pretty girl that would, you know, get all dolled up and do her makeup. So I released my physical uh, appearance identity. So I had to grasp onto something, which was then being an artist. So I was like, okay, I'm just an artist. I dyed my hair purple and I wore overalls with paint on them. Like I, I wasn't being authentic. I was trying to grasp onto something else. Sure. So when we left... Not only did I sell my clothes, not only did I, you know, stop completely wearing makeup and really downsize and simplify to be minimal because we had to be, I said bye to my family and they were really like, they were really resistant to me leaving. So I, I cut an emotional cord to my hometown, to my identities, to my family, to my friends. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the scariest part of us leaving. And when we were out there and I didn't have like a job, um, I had to just be with myself. Mm -hmm. And he was totally, it seemed like he was totally fine with that. He was like, how cool is this? We have nothing to do all day long. I'm like, yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> and that's what I usually call boring. And so yeah. <laughs> well, I was never bored. We were always doing stuff. We were always, I mean, I was training. Sure. We were walking. We were going like, well, and I'm thinking and of Colorado and, when we first got there. Okay, call. Yeah. And so, like, but Colorado was a little. We we. I mean, that was the beginning of it. Sure. So yeah. We just got there, and we were with, uh, we were staying with people, mm -hmm. so it was almost like, um, being bored was like it wasn't like we were just free of our time. We were almost like house guests, sure. and so it was a little bit of a different experience. So when we would go say, drive to Boulder, um, that was like an event, as opposed to when we lived in Arizona, like, we lived with my friend, and he went to work, and we were just by ourselves, and there was no commitment to him, mm -hmm. there was no, like, um, hey, I'm going to be back for dinner, what should we eat, he was like, see you when I see you, uh, yeah. lock up when you leave, you know, right, it's like, right. we were, we were living together, as mm -hmm. opposed to, we were house guests at, at Colorado, but, you know, for me, I was never bored, because I looked at it as an opportunity of, of, you know, sitting with thought, like creativity. We're obviously not doing anything right now. What is it that we want to bring into our life? Mm -hmm. You know, we needed that space to do that. People need that space. That's why yeah. I think it's hard to, to find out what you want if you start your life too early. Sure. If you have a family too early, you know, you, you, you get it, get that job too early, right? Like we don't embrace, um, I think that, uh, that might've shut off, but we don't embrace the idea that, um, exploration. Yeah. We don't we just don't embrace the idea that we can, 
um, just be like life is going to end. So you should probably sit with yourself and think about where it's going to go. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was really hard for me to do. Sure, sure. Well, especially because the way you described it is that it because of some of the things that you had done previously, Dalton, regarding self-discipline, regarding the training and in that piece, and then you had maybe had a little bit more experience with some of those things where where the way that you're describing your past, Kylie, before this is that you would, if you felt uncomfortable, you would go do something about it. You would feel busy. You would get busy. You would distract yourself by doing whatever. And now you're sitting in that uncomfortableness. Yeah. And, um, and almost like that's the point, which is going to be, you know, it's, it's what most people, including myself, when you first learn to meditate and, and do like a silent retreat or you do something like that, it, it, until you surrender your thinking and stop fighting it, um, uh, it's torture. It's, mm. it's the, the silence is deafening. You know? yeah. And, and I think of like when I, you know, back when I wrestled and I never wrestled the same level that you did, but I remember how long two minutes was. Um, it, it felt like an eternity. And I remember that feeling like, um, like when I first started meditating is that it was, it was all this, this torture, like, Oh, I must've been meditating for hours three minutes later you know it's like (laughs) i don't know if i can do this i don't and and then and then finding ways in which i could move myself into that space and i had to find different ways and and um and for me one of them was when i was out west uh when diane and i first started dating and i went for about six weeks and i just drove out west and i was there for for those six weeks and i would sit down sit out in in the black hills and i would just sit there and um for hours and and for whatever reason i could do that that was the beginning i could do that there and and it wasn't just because it was the black hills i mean there's there is some sacredness to that in itself but it was a story that i was attaching to that and for me that was worked so much it, it, it allowed me to go into that church, go into that sacred space where if I was just sitting in a room, uh, staring at a candle, it wasn't working for me, you know? Um, uh, so, so going back, so, okay. So for the, for the beauty thing that you both talked about, that was the piece of beauty. And then what about, um, like th- hardships or things that, that by going through it, you came out of it with something greater than you ever could have expected if there was anything was there anything like that that happened when you guys were on this trip well I guess I my beauty kind of turned into the darkness (laughs) I mean the way that I described it okay um because I think it was kind of backwards for me it's beautiful for me to be able to look back on that time and know that I'm capable of doing nothing okay because in my everyday life now I find moments of panic if he's gone for the day and Mm -hmm. I have nothing to do. I start to panic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what's my purpose? You know, Mm -hmm. I've got to make myself busy. But because I spent a year doing nothing and I panicked and then I found my way through it and he coached me through it, I know what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. And I know that even if I had nothing to do for a whole year, I would survive. Mm -hmm. So I have that beauty to look back on. But 
in the midst of it, it was really uncomfortable mm -hmm. and really difficult. Sure. So that was kind of, that was the darkness turned into light for me. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. But maybe you can think of a specific difficulty that we had to get through. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a few of them were just some financial hurdles. Yeah. Um, you know, financial hurdles are, I think, I think those are like the most important things for people to learn um, because they're so stressful, mm -hmm. right? Like, they're so stressful and they're so, um, I don't, I think they're the one thing, like, you can worry about something bad happening to somebody when they go out in un, you know uncharted territories. There's some logic to that. When it comes to finances, you can like you can you can see how people will start to hate each other mm -hmm. because of money and it's and if you took it all away, they'd just have two people. Mm -hmm. Why would they be upset at something that's um, like not an actual thing? You know, so I think financial uh, issues, I mean, I think I had the, I had a lot of the separation mm -hmm. from it already, but I think knowing that um, she was there, I think it's helped us to go forward uh, together and not have those things come up because, um, you know, very few people looked at it the way that I did. And I learned from uh, a, a friend that I lived with earlier, he used to always say, uh, stuff like, don't ever let somebody know how well you're doing or how bad you're doing. Uh, I don't need anybody to have pity or or anything for me. I can figure it out. And so when it came to money, once I realized that like money is this physical thing of exchanging value, and I knew that I had value, then it was just a matter of hustle, amount, uh, a matter of getting out there and giving your value in an exchange. And so when, when you don't have money, you go, okay, what do I know how to do? What can I do for other people? And where are the people that need me to do that? I don't sit back and, 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 and worry about I'm never going to eat or, or life is going to be ruined or whatever like that. It's just, it's just something that's really simple, I guess, for me. Um, I don't live in the same uh, world mentally as, as a lot of other people when it comes to uh, finances. But I know that as a couple... We've been in many situations that are similar to the ones that we are out there on, um, but now we can react a lot differently, mm -hmm. very uh, uh, focused on solutions. Mm -hmm. We don't have any money. The, the rent is due on Monday. Okay, what can we do for money? These things. All right, well, let's figure out how we're going to do those things. And uh, it really just... Set uh, for me, it, it like being there, you know, that was a good, good, uh, good time of learning for that. Yeah, yeah, I think that the more, like, he definitely had um, more confidence in our abilities to just figure it out, mm -hmm. and I didn't, I didn't have any confidence in that, and I think part of it was because I was so, I really used our lack of money, like, when we would get low. I was really addicted to the feeling of being afraid and being sad. So that was a great way for me to stay connected to that feeling. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, if I would, if I was sad or I was scared or I, 
I was just in a bad mood, I could use that as an excuse. But really, it it wasn't even about the money. It was more so like I was just afraid. And I could have just said like, I don't know. I'm just afraid, you know. Mm -hmm. But I really was like, well, because we don't have any money. Mm -hmm. But then he brought this idea to me, which was to make friends with the worst case scenario. Right, yeah. And it's like, okay, what if we run out? Like, which we definitely did many times. We weren't going to end up on the street. And even if we did, he was comfortable, not comfortable, but he was confident that we would figure that out. So he had already made friends with the worst case scenario. And I was stuck on like, I want the best case scenario. And if we drop below that and we have to sleep on an air mattress, like my back's going to hurt and blah, blah, you know, like. Yeah. I actually, this is another thing that I forgot to mention. And it's funny, but when I was at Elmhurst, I slept on a floor, and uh, um, my mom used to, and my parents used to, oh, we'll get you a mattress. I was like, no, I don't need one. And uh, people would come over, like, why don't you have a bed? I was like, I don't need one, right? And like selfishly in my head, I was going back to that training concept. It was like, okay, do I really need a bed right now? No. And uh, again, I was a... Division two all Amer- or Division three all American. Like I'm competing in college sports right now, mm-hmm. and uh, this is probably not the greatest idea. But I was like, if I sleep, I can sleep on the floor, and if I can sleep on a concrete floor, because it was a concrete floor, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, and this I think this is honestly one of the first times I became uh, exposed to Tim Ferriss's work, and Tim Ferriss uh, had talked about some of these concept these concepts before and so you know at this time when we went out there i've slept for two and a half years on a on a concrete floor sure and i had a california king (laughs) (laughs) slightly different yeah yeah well and so let me let me throw a couple things out to you and then i'm gonna kind of bring this a little bit around but you know as a counselor there and i've we, we talk about there's four things that most couples um, re- regardless if they're married, you know, but it's some level of commitment in their in their relationship that the the four things that the couple um, will struggle with, wh- why they're going to come in for counseling, why they break up, why they accelerate and grow together is the four areas are uh, money, um, in-laws, uh, children, and sex. And those four topics seem to be the one where the breakdown of communication primarily happens. Um, looking into it a little bit deeper, you know, money is my value, my worth, my security, or at least my perceptions of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, my the in-laws, right? That means the other person's family of origin, my roots, uh, that that part of who I am. My my kids, are, or our kids, or the lack of kids, or whatever that may be, that could be legacy it could be an extension of who we are it could be a reflection of who we are and then sex and that could be anything from sex you know um to other forms of physical or sexual intimacy and all that and i think the word you've been using is ego comes in and we don't know how to ask for it we don't know um when when that stuff comes up you know on anyone are we talking about it or do we just go inside if someone's farther ahead in development re- regarding that, does that person shame the other person for not being where they're at, or do they coach them up? Mm-hmm. Um, I think 
you know, most, most relationships that are lasting, people are pretty much close to the same development or they're within a certain area. And we're going to grow just naturally as we, um, or, or I should say, we're going to be attracted to things and be evolving, but our typically our perception is that our partner doesn't. So, so if if in my case, if Diane, if I have a perception of Diane's development because she's told me where she's at, what she likes, doesn't like, what she, what her interests are, and if I don't, um, if I'm not open to the possibility that Diane's somewhere else. Um, then I'm going to just conclude that that's where she's at, even though I've developed. Now, if she never communicates that to me, you know, or we have an encounter where we're communicating, it, she may be farther ahead, but she thinks I'm at this lower mm-hmm. level. I, I remember one, this would happen in our relationship where Diane would get excited about an idea, right, about something she wanted to do with the house or, or, or whatever it might be. And my instantly, I would become fearful about whatever that was because she's talking about the idea I'm the primary breadwinner or the the sole breadwinner how am I going to pay for this where am I going to get the money how am I going to pay for this when's the invoice going to be coming and she was just talking about the idea she wasn't talking about doing anything she was just talking about the idea and I already was trying to figure out how I was going to pay for the bill and what isn't going to get paid if we did this thing and my silence would cause her to be frustrated and and then not want to bring things up her not wanting to bring things up caused me you know to think well she doesn't want to even do anything around the house you know so it was this silence that we both thought until we finally had a conversation about it and it was like oh you're just dreaming you're not actually talking about doing it oh yeah i want to do it it just doesn't have to be now i'm like oh i could get my head wrapped around that and so so tell me a little bit like with that because Obviously, those were some real life things. I mean, you know, I can say, you know, there's been different times in my life where I've struggled financially, but I don't know if I've ever been in those experiences where rent's due on Monday and yeah, we're, we're like way short you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you've told me those stories. So yeah. I know that I know you had. So how, how did you guys partner your way through that? Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I'm just going to go talk right away because as you're talking, it's funny because I knew we were coming on here. Mm-hmm. So this morning I was thinking to myself, um, if I could if I could pinpoint the one reason that we work, it's that I trust, going back to the first thing you said, I trust that, and I didn't do this at first, but I trust that as I evolve, if there are things or ideas that I want us to become or create, I trust that he is always evolving. Like he's never, ever done growing and he wants to be better for him, for me, for us, always. So whether I have an idea, whether it's spirituality or the idea of children or anything, health, finances, whatever, I just have this like, deep, deep, deep sense of trust that I know he's constantly evolving and wanting to be better and he's willing to talk about anything. Which leads me to the other thing that you brought up and that's the silence that is so, I I think probably the biggest issue after, after at least talking to women. So many women have things on their mind 
that they don't say Mm -hmm. and they just let them stew inside and everybody can feel that and I did that at first and he just would not have it like it was not allowed (laughs) and there was one time I don't know if you remember this but we were um driving back from I think the suburbs and I said something that he was like basically he said it was stupid that I said something and I was so hurt that he said that it was stupid so I just shut down and for an hour I was completely silent because I was just that was my go-to it's like if you make me feel afraid insecure sad um I'm gonna shut down I'm not gonna talk to you ever again that's my plan (laughs) until he pried it out of me but we had just started hanging out we weren't even like seriously dating and he said don't ever sit in silence you have to talk about what's on your mind Mm -hmm. and that didn't that wasn't like the magic pill for me me to be able to learn how to do that it took years of me Mm -hmm. learning how to do that but he demands that I talk my feelings out Mm -hmm. so I've learned to do that I've gotten better at least yeah you've gotten a lot better yeah communication is key yeah. yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, I know, Kylie, you work with, you know, a lot of women and helping them through their through their journey, through their transformation, through realizing their gifts and and being able to name and identify their wounds. Um, and and I, I agree with you. We're counseling women. There is a silence. There's this um, I think this this stereotype that we have about women that they know how to share feelings and share their thoughts and um, they may be talking but that doesn't necessarily mean they're actually sharing um, but equally with men um, I do I've been doing men's men's work and men's groups since the early 90s and um, it's been a huge part of my story in recovery and um, and men struggle with the same thing in that silence they struggle with fears um, and and if we can learn how to start just talking about it um, and, and give ourselves permission to do that. And if we have someone that can hold that space um, mm-hmm. with us as well, um, I think for both men and women, um, it, it, it's it's part of the antidote mm-hmm. of that shame, of that fear, of the stuff that rattles around in our head. Um, and then, I, I you know, and it was part of the reason why I really wanted to have you both on and both be talking at the same time because – I get asked all the time uh, about, so what makes uh, a successful relationship? What makes a couple work? Um, how do I, you know, this idea of who am I, uh, what am I looking for, and, you know, how do I know? And I think in a lot of ways what you guys were have shared during this conversation about um, the things that you were attracted to and that you didn't rush it. You, it, it it evolved. It, it, you know, that those seeds were planted and they, and they began to grow over time. And there wasn't this, I didn't get a sense that in your story, there was this pressure that it had to, it had to happen. It had to work. Um, or if he doesn't call me or she doesn't this, then it must not, you know, and not to say that there wasn't a little bit of that at, at different times, but, um, and then as you were, those things that you were attracted to in each other, not just the the outside piece, but more the inside, how you guys grew together, uh, individually grew, and then grew as a couple, was really why I wanted people to hear your guys' story. And I know your story still 
happening. It's still evolving. You guys haven't arrived, you know. And so, so if you guys could, just as we're, you know, kind of bringing this maybe a little bit to a close, but what are you guys doing now? And as, as a couple, what are you guys doing now? What are you guys doing individually? Um, and, and then how can people get a hold of you? They were interested in hearing more about what you're doing um, individually as a couple. So, Yeah, well, uh, I'm, you know, I'm coaching wrestling in Belvedere, and I'm also building some online platforms to allow me to do it um, across the country. Um, and that's the School of Wrestling? The School of Wrestling. I have the... Um, building out the school of wrestling podcast mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i mean i have some other ambitions that i'm kind of working on and mm-hmm. okay that's where where i'm at where i'm at mm-hmm. which sounds simple but it's a lot <laughs> yeah it's really busy and it's it's just a lot of stuff well especially yeah. because wrestling started last week right no it starts today tonight today. okay tonight. okay first today. first yeah. official practice yeah 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 okay. so trying to do that and stay on top of the like you said the red tape stuff yeah. i'm just uh doing all that stuff as as much as i can so i can get to the the coaching stuff so yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah um i have a podcast mm-hmm. that's uh coming clean with kylie lewis and yesterday was one year for me. Okay. Oh, yes. I saw the birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one-year birthday cake. Um, I teach painting classes pretty regularly, and I'll probably continue to do that as long as we're in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, also doing other types of workshops, DIY journaling workshops, uh, vision board workshops, and just continuing to grow a community of women, like you said, to kind of help us just be our best selves. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Aside from that, just taking it day by day. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're also helping um, people with, you know, marketing and advertising and, and teaching them about uh, creative and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and I think, you know, in, and I know, Dalton, you've talked about what, what you want to do with the wrestling program, what you want to do with the school of wrestling, and similar, similarly different, you know, obviously one's sport and one is an art, and, and Kylie, what you want to do with, with your art classes and specifically with women is, I think, you know, in a, in a very simplistic way, you are creating space for growth. You guys are creating space for people to be creative, for people to grow in and um, grow to who, who they can be. And, um, and it's, listen to your guys' story, especially when um, everything from the silence of driving for 17 hours um, to, um, to being in, in that space when you guys were in Arizona um, and, and navigating through that and navigating through the, the different opportunities that uh, showed themselves as trials. Um, because he was right. You guys didn't die. And, um, and they didn't come and take you away, whatever that means. Right. Uh, and so, uh, it is another one of those examples of, uh, it just made you stronger. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for both of you guys coming on and um, being able to share this time. And, and, um, I looking forward to hearing some of the feedback people give us regarding, uh, hearing your guys' story, uh, of individually, as well as your story together as a couple and being able to, um, maybe open up some, uh, pathways for them to be able to go down their own journey. Mm -hmm. Thank Thank you. you. I appreciate it.